Hello, a quick message before we begin, just to let everybody know that Ben's microphone developed a little bit of a crackle and you are going to hear that throughout the show. Under normal circumstances, we would have rearranged the recording date and recorded it then, but we've always said we've been adamant that we wanted part one of our The Good, The Bad and The Ugly show released on Clint Eastwood's birthday on May the 31st. So recording was time sensitive and we had to take the decision to either record with a bit of crackle on Ben's end of the audio or to leave it and then miss the date that we've always promised for Clint Eastwood's 90th birthday, we decided to record. Uh, rest assured that Ben has been thoroughly thrashed, which, unsurprisingly, he did quite enjoy. And he's also ordered a new mic as well, so all will be crystal clear once again for part two of our The Good, The Bad and The Ugly Clinkcast, where we will be doing our usual deep dive into the movie. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Right turn, Clyde. My mistake, poor coffin. Get off my lawn. shot an unarmed man. He should have armed himself. I don't want to need you, because I can't have you. Go ahead, make my day. Hello and thank you for listening to episode 252 of 60 Minutes With and part one of our clink cast for the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm Dave and joining me as always is the man who is known throughout the Wild West quite simply as Benton. Hello. <laughs> oh, I love it. That, that, I'm, I'm adopting that name. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know we, should, we should explain where it's come from well, as well. Well, the funny thing is, is that I bloody can't remember. <laughs> Oh, my brain's like a sieve. Where did it come from? It came from the podcast WhatsApp group that we've got. Yeah. And Alan, over in America, for some reason, uh, he just meant to pop Ben, but his predictive text said Benton. Benton, yeah, yeah. lovely name. Yeah. It's awesome. I like it. I've, it's good. I've, I've taken a liking to it for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it could have been Bender, couldn't it? Could have been <laughs> it's been Bender a few times, yeah. <laughs> and a few other names, has to yeah. be said. But I think Benton's a good one. It gives you, I think, an air of authority, mate. Yeah. Hmm. I could be Ben a ton, you know, as in as in has a penis that's as heavy as a ton. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, oh, anyway, how are you doing, mate? You good? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, yeah. Any excuse to watch more Clint Eastwood and talk about him is always good with me. Well, I didn't expect to get out an extra pack of tissues. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there for a second. <laughs> extra, I normally have the tissues lying around, of course, you know. Of course. Given, given the situation. So, you know, it's just... Uh, but to get the extra pack out, it's like, wow, it just blew me away, which we'll get into on this uh, a part of what we're going to talk about today. So, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, well, we should explain. Obviously, people have seen part one. So what's going to happen is in part two, that's when we're going to do our deep dive into the actual movie. But because... It's a three-hour film. <laughs> we watched we watched the extended cut, didn't we, mate? Which is like over three hours, actually. Uh, yes, we did. Now, 
the funny thing is, again, this is one of the ones that I've, we're not going to go into it deeply, are we, obviously, but we're going to sort of talk for touch on it. I mean, I I had never seen it all the way through again before. And I've got to be honest, I'm a little bit of a knobhead when it comes to, if I see a film that's anywhere near three hours, I, my, I usually turn my nose up at it. Just mm. to, keep, to keep my concentration for that long is tough in a film. Uh, but it just doesn't feel like three hours. Let's put it that way. It just it's perfect. Perfection. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm shooting, I'm blowing all my load right now. But, you are. Uh, we haven't even got to the movie part of it yet, and you're just, you're just spaffing all over it. Already, <laughs> Do you know what else I haven't even done yet? I haven't even said happy birthday, Clint Eastwood. 90 today. How oh, about that? I'm, I'm, uh, it's great, and it's also sad. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> in it, it's just, I want him to live forever, you know? It's just, it is, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm so, like you, you know, I'm so glad that we're sat here in 2020 celebrating his 90th birthday. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I'm quite happy to see him in more films. I mean, the last one he was in, obviously, was The Mule in 2018. And he got, you know, he got his kit off in that and started shagging still, didn't he? There's no reason why people shouldn't. And why you know, not? We, we, there, we live on this planet to live and enjoy ourselves. So why should we not get our kit off and shag lots of younger ladies? Do you think that's how he's celebrating his 90th birthday? I, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm not too familiar with what his wife looks like, but I can guarantee she's younger. Hmm. Is she? Do you know who and she more, is? And more petite, and, it, and is a spinner, as we established <laughs> in, the, in the pilot episode. A fidget or a midget spinner, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, fair play to he's just. Do you know what? He is just a legend. And do you know what? Thank, thankfully, he got, he's come to... We, we want to last another 10 years at least, don't we? We want to last forever, so he's just... Wouldn't there. it be great? sitting here you know talking about him on his 100th birthday as we're getting up to the films we might have got into his films of the 80s by then you never know <laughs> we'd be on his next one it's gonna take 10. no it's not we're gonna do we're gonna be regular we've been regular this is us being regular right now it's fantastic yeah what is it like a, a month after the previous one well actually if we did one film a month it's gonna take some time isn't it but it it's is yeah still doable for his 100th birthday let's put it that way yeah we can do it yeah we do we do promise not to go back i know we did start once every about seven or eight months wasn't it but we we have made a promise to ourselves haven't we to uh to get more regular with definitely i would say one a month is definitely feasible Mm -hmm. i really do think that so we are going to do our best yeah i should also say as well before we carry on about his birthday uh anybody expecting any chat about the witches that i said in the previous show that's going to be in uh, once we finish talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. In the chronology of his of his films, the witches came out um, after the good, the bad, and the ugly, and before Coogan's Bluff. So we'll be talking about that in our Coogan's Bluff show. And this is funny because I put my hand up. I've not seen him in this film. Um, am I right in saying it's a complete change of character? Like as complete? In- yeah, it's so. From what we have come to expect from Clint Eastwood now. Yeah. as an actor and the parts that he plays, it is really left field. You go in and what he, the way that he looks, the things that he does. Uh, I'm not going to say anything else because there's certain things happening in it. And I just, I wish I could, I wish I could be sat next to you when you watch it, Ben. Cause it, well, maybe, we'll sure have to get, maybe we'll have to arrange for us to do that, but I don't think we're going to do it in time, are we? We're still going to be <laughs> trapped. Yeah, but, we um, could do one of those Zoom party things where mate, we could watch the film. 
That'd be brilliant. Maybe yeah. we should, that's a great idea. That's a ah, that's a brilliant idea actually. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to put my clothes on for that though. That's the only bloody point that I'm not won't be happy about. But well, I'm staying naked, so. <laughs> <I think you. laughs> yeah. but, but just quickly, I don't, we're not going to go into that witches thing. But the funny thing is, is, isn't it odd to think that he became this huge film star to then go and do that immediately after? Is it, yeah, is it... well, it was in between. It was in between, but it came out after The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Uh, and, yeah, and it was, you know, you're in Italy anyway, and let's get it done. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, quick well, cash. I'm well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be great. We'll do that together naked then on Zoom. Perfect. Okay, then. There we go. We'll put it out as a video podcast. That'll... As long as Tina doesn't watch. I'm not having to see my, <laughs> I'm not getting her jealous of my big, massive Wonga. I'm not having to... Well, you established at the start of the show, it's, it's the one-ton penis, isn't it? <laughs> It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so Clint at ninety, mate. Oh, we mean, again, wow! It's un- unbelievable, unbelievable. Sad, happy, sad that he's old, happy that he's still here. Um, he's still, you know, he's he's still one. Is one of the few, maybe, arguably, is he the only man's man left in the world of cinema? we were having this conversation behind the closed doors of WhatsApp, weren't we? Um, mm-hmm. And I can't think of any, not not someone of his level of, you know, I mean, he's a Hollywood legend, yeah, not not, not uh, someone of his stature. I can't think of anybody else who is kind of like him. We had Burt Reynolds, didn't we? He sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. He's, he's certainly one. There's very few of them because they've all gone a little bit. They're, they're not really, I don't want to say designed. It's, it's a bit like the music industry, isn't it? They've all become a little bit more pretty boyish, these guys. They're not yeah. really... They're not man's men, so um, yeah. Which is what also the, the man's man term is quite a strange one, isn't it? Actually, <laughs> because you <laughs> well, want to be a, you want to be a ladies' man, don't you? Yeah, you know, I prefer that saying. What is it? Um, all all men want to be him, and all women want him, or something like that. To paraphrase, whatever it is, I, I think that's it as well. You you can you can have a genuine man crush on somebody, can't you? That's the genuine thing, purely by yeah, based yeah. on their their acting ability or just how they look, how they hold themselves, all of that. You can aspire to be these people, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why you you know there's no there's no homosexuality there, you know. So it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're you're not backing me up, Dave. So I'm just confused. <laughs> no, I just I just know your I know your love of Clint Eastwood goes very deep. Oh, it certainly does. But that's the thing as well. You know, growing up, and you know, you know, there's what there's ten years between you and I, Dave. It's not, it's not, not a huge amount of time. And he's one of those guys that you don't realise is as old as what he is now. In other words, mm-hmm. I, I, I've always thought he's about twenty years older than me. Do you know what I mean? Growing up, it's it's quite <laughs> odd. But then all of a sudden now, it's like Jesus, he's ninety, and it's a. Uh, you know, because obviously my huge era was watching him in the 80s, you know, 80s yeah. and 90s. And um, he was super fit. Okay, I know I was going on about this, but he was still so super fit through this through, through that time. I'm not saying he's not fit now, but I meant in his build, you know, he had body mass and the muscle mass, and you know, which oh, yeah. is the opposite. But then you can't expect anyone to be like that at 90. But then can you? I've seen some pictures of some people who are in their 80s who are looking extremely fit, you know. And um, But that's a lot of hard work and maybe not not needed to do that. You don't need to be like that. But I think it's how I perceive him. And that's the thing with the man's man. The man's man is not the big muscle bound freak. You know, he's not like um, he's not like somebody like the rock or someone like that. They're they're not the sort of characters we're talking about. We're talking about the the more average guy. Yeah. Um, Not not a muscle man. That's the proper man's man. And I think screen presence as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. And I think that's just sort of that X factor that. You either have it or you don't, and he's got it just in spades. He's one of those actors that he doesn't have to do anything on screen, really. He, he just commands the whole screen just by being on it. Yeah, oh, yeah it's amazing. It's fantastic. Mm. 
Well, what, what we're going to do is, like I said, we're going to talk about the movie in part two. This one, we're going to talk about all all different things. It's you know the good, the bad, and the ugly is the final one of the Dollars trilogy, as it's known, the Man with No Name trilogy. Um, so we're going to talk about stuff that things that it's influenced, um, and just all stuff to, that's related within the Dollars trilogy. Uh, and then once we finish this, of course, then we'll do our deep dive in the next episode yeah. into the film. Uh, so people have got plenty of well, I say plenty of time. We're looking hoping to record part two in the next couple of weeks, aren't we? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this this is coming out on May the 31st, Clint's uh, 90th birthday. Today, today, Dave. Today, which is today. <laughs> yeah, of course. It is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, part two, fingers crossed, will be out in June. So yeah, mm-hmm. very much looking forward to it. Uh, just the whole thing surrounding it. My dad's gone out and re-watched, and he hasn't watched The Good, The Bad and Ugly really a great deal. I mean, it was one of his huge things as a kid. He went to the cinema to see it. And I think I was explaining that. Th- th- that film came out, we, we waited for the whole trilogy, didn't we, in this country? And they all yes. come out once, yeah, the kind of thing. So he would have been about 15, 16 when it came out. And it's quite interesting because he's always thought about The Good, The Bad The Ugly that it was just wasn't as good for him because it, it doesn't, without going into it again too deeply, it wasn't so much... Um, mainly about the gunfights and the it's more about the war and what was going on you know and that mm. sort of thing and the, yeah. so that but now watch rewatching it without going into it again he's got a whole <laughs> massive appreciation completely different appreciation for it so it's um yeah and i think that's like the adult mind watches that film differently i don't oh, want to shoot definitely. i don't want to drop my load but i mean i know i've told you what my thoughts are about the good the bad and the ugly and uh i can't wait to talk about that on our next podcast yeah. oh yeah we will be going deep once again into yeah. that that's for sure and there's a lot to get into in that there really is which yeah. is again why we're splitting this up into into two mm. episodes because otherwise it'd be like a five-hour show something yeah. ridiculous like that wouldn't it oh god yeah uh, so yeah is, is there anything else you want to say about clint on his birthday mate and hitting the big nine oh just keep going. I'm so uh, he's not going to hear this, obviously, but just for me to say how much he's given me over all the years and uh, and what he's given me now, just these conversations I'm having behind the scenes with my dad. It's like a whole new chapter of my life that is um, I just didn't expect to have, you know, and I know you can't obviously sadly have that anymore, Dave, but you, you, I think you can understand what i'm going through talking to my dad about it all the oh stuff, so. completely mate yeah yeah you know it's made me th- i always think about my dad anyway it'll be what 25 yeah. years this year since he died uh and he you know he brought me up watching clint eastwood he was a massive clint eastwood fan so whenever i watch anything with him in uh it, you know it always reminds me of him and i'd have yeah. loved to been here and chat about the podcast with him you know like you are with your dad so i'm so happy that you know you've still got your dad there to yeah. have that that relationship still and uh you know chat yeah. about clint's but it you know it's I have you, I have us, you, you know? as as my younger surrogate dad to talk to on these shows, Ben. <laughs> That's exactly right, and he loves it. He's you know the feedback he's given us. He's listening to us every time. He says it's brilliant. We sound great on the podcast. Now, obviously, he's going to be biased. I'm his son, you know, and you're my friend. So, <sighs> but but he he would he would genuine. My dad's not one of those people. He's generally he's genuine, and he would tell me if he disagreed with something or didn't think it was good. So that to me is a, a massive massive testament to him saying that sort of stuff. He thinks we are superb on this. So <laughs> that's a little bit of backslapping for us there, Dave. But we're going to do it because hey, we'll how much it. feedback we had. <laughs> yeah, come on, people, give us some feedback for the next show. Let's say by the middle, by the middle of June. Um, hopefully, you've heard this by then. Uh, email us, give us your feedback. Well, give us your feedback on the shows that we've done so far. Uh, give us your feedback on the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
and we'll talk about that in the good the bad and the ugly show when we talk about the movie uh, and give us some feedback about clinton in being 90 as well get that to us by the middle of june and we'll talk about it in the next show yeah well we love clint eastwood i think we've established that mate so we're going to take a little break and everybody's going to listen to clint eastwood singing uh, this comes from the, an album that was released in 1961 called Rawhide's Clint Eastwood Sings Cowboy Favourites. And like I said, we love Clint and he's going to sing I'll Love You More. Just quickly, I think it's safe to say that it is the greatest selling album from Clint Eastwood and Rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right. the world began Great loves there have been This I know is true But I love you more The hearts may blend All is love intends But they could never of Clint Eastwood singing. See, there's a record to put on in the background, mate, when you're uh, canoodling with somebody, you know, Clint Eastwood. I'll be doing that for sure. Yeah. I might, be not, I might, I might end up taking my eyes off the lady, though, and just start getting into Clint Eastwood, a bit, a bit worrying. <laughs> might end up calling her Clint or something, or Harry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a great musician, though, Clint Eastwood. He's got a lot. He's you know. really into jazz, isn't he? He's a yeah, huge fan of jazz. Really yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, next up, we're going to talk about, um, and this might not be too familiar with people outside of the UK, and if it isn't, hopefully we've put you onto something new that you can discover. Uh, it's a group of comedians over here um, that from the, well, the late 70s and early 80s, and they were 
They were called the Comic Strip, and it was a group of British comedians who included Rick Mayall, Aid Edmondson, Nigel Planer, Peter Richardson, Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. And they were playing in, in the Comic Strip Club, which was in London. And then a TV show started called The Comic Strip Presents. Now, it started in November 1982. It was the opening night of Channel 4. I can remember that as well, the opening night of Channel 4. Now, um, I would not be allowed to watch this, would I, in 1984? No, no. I mean, it's not um, bad at all watching this, but it's just, it, yeah. it would have been something that I wouldn't, I'd have, I'd have been six years old. Yeah. Oh, no, 82. <laughs> um, comic Strip started on, in 82. Yeah. First night of Channel 4. Series 2, um, that was broadcast between 83 and 84. I had, yeah. had some great episodes. They all had some great episodes. But there's one particular episode that was broadcast on the 21st of January, 1984, called A Fistful of Traveller's Checks. And I think people can guess from the name that it's a bit of a homage to the Dollars trilogy. Um, and me and Tina rewatched it today and laughed just as much. And we've seen it like so many times. It was filmed. It was the first one of the comic strip uh, episodes of the TV show that was filmed outside of the UK. It was filmed in Spain using some of the same locations that they used to film the Dollars films. Yeah. Oh, Still want to go there, mate. Still want to oh, go there. Oh, definitely. Are we going to just uh, approach this subject of the fact that I've never seen any of this comic strip stuff Yeah, before? I haven't seen No, because when I put this to you, I said, oh, we've got to talk about Fistful of Travellers checks. And then you're like, okay. What's... <laughs> but, but how weird is that? I mean, look, Rick Mayle, don't get me started. One of my here, another one of these people that are just fantastic. I love Rick Mayle. I love all these guys. I, I love all these people. These are all my people growing up, like the young ones. I used to watch that as a kid growing up and all this sort of stuff. So it's just bizarre that I never actually watched this TV show. I remember watching Countdown. Was that not the first thing that came out on Channel 4? <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that was the first programme show. Yeah, pretty yeah, sure. I think it was. So yeah. it, just, it just goes show. I think maybe it was just a little bit too late for me or something back then. I don't yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, it just. But, but that's no excuse for me because that, geez, I watched films from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So it's no excuse. So it's the fact that I haven't gone back to them is odd. But thank, thank, thankfully, I've got, I've gone and watched this. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely it is. brilliant. Of course it is. It's Rick Mayer, isn't it? And, uh... well, yeah. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be funny with him. It's only yeah. 37 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, it's got Rick Mayer, and he's sort of a Lee Van Cleef mixture yeah. of Colonel Mortimer from yeah. uh, For a Few Dollars More and Angel Eyes from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And he's dressed in black, isn't he? He's got the long black duster on yeah. and the black hat. And um, it's and got... Sorry, Sorry mate. it only occurred to me today because I think I mentioned to you on WhatsApp. I said, I said, how come they're not really betraying Clint Eastwood rather than? Um, but the other guy is not meant to be Clint Eastwood, is he? Because he's nothing like him. No, no, because you've got so the way I view it, and you can read it in different ways. I view Rick Mayle as Lee Van Cleef in, in in for a few dollars more than good, the bad, and the ugly. You've got Peter Richardson, who to me is Jean Maria Volante, who is, and again, it's a mixture of Ramon in. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Fistful of Dollars and El Indio in for a few dollars more. Because, he, you know, he's got the mannerisms of him. He's dressed like him. He's even got his hair like him. So I see him as yeah. him. And then, of course, I think maybe for legal reasons, I'm not sure. It must they be. Couldn't, yeah, they couldn't it... portray anybody being Clint Eastwood. So you've got Aid Edmondson uh, dressed as a matador. And he's a, a, <laughs> he's a thick Brit matador. <laughs> He's actually a rapist, isn't he? Like a murdering rapist. He, he is a, a murdering rapist, yeah, which is... Good family viewing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
I love those guys because they, they, you, when they when they're together, you just can't not see um, things like bottom. You can't not see it, can you? It's mm. just their whole rapport. And uh, like you say, Nigel Planer, he just um, yeah, it's just brilliant. And um, it's um, it's 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 absolutely balmy, isn't it? <laughs> it is balmy. I mean, I love. I really my favourite bits in it is with with Rick and Peter Richardson when it's just the two of them together. So it is like Lee Van Cleef and um, Jean Maria Volante. It's like them being together, being stupid. To give people an idea of of what it's like, it begins on a train, uh, and it's like um, for a few dollars more, where um, Colonel Mortimer's on the train, but it's the two of them. So it's Rick and Peter Ed, uh, Richardson on the train. And they've got two nuns sat opposite them. Yeah. And there's the whole line of, does this train stop? It? And it's not Tukumkari like it is in the actual movie. It's another name. And then, no, it doesn't. And they eventually, they pull like the emergency cord to stop it. And then yeah. they get off. There's so many nods to it. The hat, um, though, it just creased me up. It was a, such an acute angle. It was just ridiculous right on that opening shot. And also the interesting thing for me is, is that you don't initially realise it's not set in, you don't realise it's set in modern day at this point. A modern day to 1984, should I say? Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant, absolutely fantastic. It is it like is. the intro to, um, yeah, this a few dollars more, isn't it? Kind of. It is. It's just yeah. like it. Yeah, it yeah. really rips into that. Uh, it does lose it a little bit for me because it keeps cutting to some other characters. Like we said, we've got Aid as as the yeah. as the murdering rapist thick British matador uh, and you've got Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders as Italian backpackers who are in a, a camper van Australian aren't they? Uh, oh sorry Australian camp yeah that's yeah. it Australian I only bloody yeah. watched it this afternoon Christ <laughs> <laughs> short term memory loss <laughs> I was does... going to say they're terrible they're, they're almost like my accents if they were trying to be Italian oh god <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know they're only about 23, 24 years old in there? In, crazy. In yeah. Absolutely crazy. They're all icons uh, in the in the comedy world as well. They really are. They huge are. Icons. Yeah. Yeah. They are. But when it goes to like Rick and, and Pete Richardson as these, and, and they're, they're on holiday and they want to be, well, they want to be. They characters from the yeah. Dollars films, don't they? And they I take it, it they're two kids just living their dream, aren't they? Kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, they want to live rough in the West. And so they go. I mean, one another example of the humour in it is that when they're trying to look for a hotel and they're trying to find the roughest, worst hotel there, and they find the owner of Hotel Bastardos. Oh, Keith Allen. Oh, and Keith Allen <laughs> is brilliant. so good in it as the <laughs> real bastard manager of Hotel Bastardos. I, I, I almost didn't even recognise him. You don't? Do you? No, but he's fantastic in this. Wow, well, yeah, hilarious. And then they complain about. The soft toilet paper. <laughs> Not having soft toilet paper. You you want soft toilet paper? You go stay at Hotel Gay Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's superb, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And you're not even sure if they... You, it's, it's quite a weird way of watching. When you're watching it, you're not sure if they've even got real guns. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. But they clearly are not. They're no. just toys. But it's just, it's just bizarre. It, it, it has this weird way of making you... There are moments where you think you're actually out back in the Wild West days. There are these moments, aren't there? You kind of forget. And obviously this Volkswagen camper van starts. To... <laughs> and then it pulls you back in, doesn't it, to the real yeah. world. It's, it's, quite, it's, it's just so well done, so well done. And the spitting in it, it's constant. There's the a lot of spitting in it. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But you can tell it was made with a lot of love for the Dollars trilogy. Yeah. 
just can't you? Yeah, it's just um, there's so many different little bits they've taken from those movies and they've just riffed on them, haven't they? They totally yeah. have. Yeah, it is. If you're familiar with the Dollars trilogy and you watch this, you'll pick up on so many different things, and yeah. it, it does add an extra layer of enjoyment to it while you're watching it. it really does. I've got to say, I'd have to watch it again. I, I mean, I've watched it once, but there's definitely it's so replayable, rewatchable. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, most of them. I mean, we got the the box set of the whole series of comic strip, and some are some are really really good, like Fistful of Travelers checks. But they do go to some are just not very good at all. Just haven't uh, what just aged badly, have they? Or just yeah. Well, even at the time, I remember watching them and thinking that's not really funny to me. Anyway, you know, the best my favourites are this one. Yeah. Uh, you've got bad news and more bad news, which is the riff on heavy metal bands. They're really funny. Uh, Dirty Movie you like because it's Rick Mayle owns an adult cinema <laughs> so that's pretty oh, good that's but my all time favourite of the comic strip presents by a country mile and again with no exaggeration it's one that I've watched into three figures and I still laugh like a drain whenever I watch it is Mr Jolly Lives Next Door Right, I need- and I'm not going to tell you anything about it apart from just watch Mr Jolly Lives Next Door <laughs> And then get back to me. Right. I mean, you just said there that you, well, you've got a DVD box set of you. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I might have to look into that because that's great. I mean, I watched this on YouTube and it, it kind of had, you know, they sometimes have like the bottom of the screen slightly cropped off. Oh, uh, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't missed anything because it's not that sort of feel, you know, not that sort of thing going. But it's just, no, I, I want to see it properly, you know, really, really see it. Because uh, uh, in this, I think, the, again, it's just the music in it as well is kind of reminiscent to any Morricone stuff kind of but way more modern I would say do you know what I mean yeah. nowhere near as good I would say I have to say <laughs> I mean any Morricone is just a genius but um, yeah but it's just um, the, 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 it's so picturesque it looks amazing you want to be there you know I, I wanted to be there on that set it, it, it just looks I've never really been anywhere like that ever in my life. And if, mm. it just looks lovely. It looks, looks so nice out there. Yeah, because I was looking, trying to spot, you know, because they're in Spain and they say, you know, they use various locations from the from the movies. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's from Good, the Bad and the Ugly or is that from A Fistful yeah. of Dollars? And so the end of the film, though, yeah. is Brilliant. a really good, again, it's a homage. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a piss take. It's a homage. It's made with love. It's proper homage. Yeah. to the end of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, and you've got a three-way shootout. Um, well, towards the end, you've got a three-way shootout, but it's only two of them have got guns. <laughs> yeah, uh, One just grabs a wooden cross. But my favourite bit in it is where Rick Mayall and Pete Richardson, again, in the characters of these rough cowboys, and they're talking like this to each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, they do so before they have a shootout. They start it by having a row. They have to start a row with each other. So <laughs> here they go. You start the row, and then they'll start a row, and then have the shootout. It's so it, it's a really good. So I think as we take another break, mate, we'll leave everybody listening to uh, Rick Mail and Peter Richardson having a row. You start the row. I went first last time. No, you didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Did not. You're calling me a liar? So, have we started yet? 
Of course I have, you great tosser. Right. Start again. You're calling me a liar? Yes. Well, then you're going to die. Right, Ben, should should we have a row? Should we have a row on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you start the row. <laughs> I can't row with you. You're having a laugh at you. <laughs> Mark Knopfler. <laughs> Don't fucking start, mate. We'll have a row. <laughs> can't play the fucking guitar. <laughs> yeah, better than Metallica. No, you can agree with me with that one. I agree with you. Hooray! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last long, did it? It didn't, did it? No. no. Uh, next up, I've got, and this was an early one that I remember watching when it came out in 1990, Back to the Future 3. And uh, you got Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox. He travels back to 1885, and he can't use his real name when he meets his great-great-grandmother. So he says his name's Clint Eastwood. And this he gets the name from, um, it relates to something that Doc Brown said to him earlier in the movie because Marty McFly's wearing this really gaudy, frilly, bright cowboy shirt. And Doc Brown says to him when he sees him in the shirt, he says, oh, Clint Eastwood would never wear anything like that. Yeah. So so when Marty's asked his name, he says, Clint Eastwood. Uh, and he continues using that alias all the way through the film. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, if, if people call me Clint Eastwood, he thinks that people be like intimidated by him. You know, obviously not knowing Clint Eastwood means nothing to Absolutely people in 1885. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's, again, there's some good touches to the Dollars trilogy. In Obviously, he calls himself Clint Eastwood. Uh, he wears a poncho that is remarkably like the one that Eastwood uses in yeah. the Dollars trilogy. He hides a cast iron um, stove door underneath his poncho, like Clint does in A Fistful of Dollars. You yeah. know, there's there's ones like that, and it's just... It's brilliant. The, the way that Clint Eastwood and the Dollars Trilogy has just sort of ingrained itself into popular culture is incredible. You know, here we are in the third part of a major franchise, a major successful franchise, and they know that if they put it in, everybody that's watching it is, is going to know the nod. They're going to know what's happening. They're going, oh, Clint Eastwood, oh, the poncho. Oh, yeah. yeah. That I mean, I don't, I don't know whether it's because we're doing, you know, we're covering Clint Eastwood stuff. I don't know whether... That's we notice more of his um, influences had, but I, I I can't think of anyone else really across the years who has been referenced so much in movies. I think that that just goes mm. to show how huge the Dollars trilogy was, you know, and him and you know him in general. He's just so influential to people, and, and people have used his you know his whether whether it's even just you know seeing something that looks slightly like him, you know, it, it, they they use that in a lot of things. Even as well, they they named it Eastwood Ravine as well, didn't they? They did, yes. yeah, yeah, they did. But, and this, yeah. remember, this is like over 20 years since the Dollars trilogy had been yeah. released. Yeah. You know, and it's still, okay, yeah, we'll use that as a reference, which is, you know, incredible. Um, yeah, it makes you think, you know, in, in films of the future, who are, who are they, they going to reference? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be anybody from Love Island or x <laughs> <laughs> No, I definitely not. No. No, they'll be forgotten quite quickly. 
So, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a really good example of of how this series of films has just, you know, even if, I think even if you hadn't seen the films, you'd know the reference purely from the visuals of it as well. And that's what I'm saying. The fact they've Isn't referenced it? all of Eastwood, you know, all of his, you know, the, the good, the bad, you know, his films. I mean, it could have been John Wayne, couldn't it? It, it could have been. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it just so, I mean, obviously he was a bit more recent than, than him, but at that time. But I mean, it's just, it goes to show that how, as again, I say, how influential he really is. Look, even coming up to right present day, there's a lot of influence. He's using an awful lot of pop cultural references and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Video games and all sorts, you know. So, oh, there's there's so much stuff, mate. Yeah. There really is. Uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, I think it's a good time to for anybody that might not have heard it. Here is Martin McFly uh, saying he's Clint Eastwood. Hey, McFly. Thought I'd have told you never to come in. You ain't Seamus McFly. You look like him, though. Especially with that dog ugly hat. <laughs> <laughs> you kin to that, hey, Barber? What's your name, dude? Uh, Mart. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> what kind of stupid name is that? I'd say he's the run of the litter. Hey, now, boys. <laughs> Would you take a look, see at these pearly whites? Hell, I ain't seen Tee look at straight more store bar. Hey, <laughs> take a gander at them moccasins. What kind of skins is them? What's that writing mean? Knee K. What is that? Some sort of Asian talk or something? <laughs> Next up, mate. And this is something I will hold my hands up. I only found this out today. So, okay. hot off the press. Quentin Tarantino. Now, I knew Quentin Tarantino. I knew he was a big Spaghetti Western fan. Uh, I knew that The Good, The Bad and The Ugly was his favourite. He's a huge fan of it. I didn't know that every one of his films, except Jackie Brown, has at least one scene that was cribbed from The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Right, that's that's blown my mind, that has. I've only found, I've only found this out today, since you told me earlier. Yep. So. Yeah. It's. I was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, so I've read all, and I'm not gonna. I'm gonna give one example. Everybody listening, you can. There's some homework. Go and find. If you want to find out, go and find out. But I'll, I'll give you one example, uh, and it's from. Well, you know, at the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and of course, we'll get into this a lot deeper. You know, in in part two, when we talk about the film. But the end of the film. Spoiler alert! If nobody's ever seen it, <laughs> someone gonna, dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh you've got tuco shouting you dirty son of a and he goes to say bitch and yeah. the music cuts him off and there's a really good story about that that we'll get into in yeah. the next episode um so in django unchained you've got Stephen, the character Stephen, shouting something very similar but swap out the word dirty for uppity so he shouts, you uppity son of a... And then as, instead of the music kicking in, uh, he, he gets blown to bits with an explosion. Brilliant. That's yeah. excellent. That's super. <laughs> I can see why you might miss that, actually. Yeah, it's very subtle. Well, yeah. I guess being blown to bits isn't that subtle, but <laughs> <laughs> as far as references go, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, some are some are more obvious than others because I went through the list and was reading it, and it, you know, it's a really interesting read. You know, there's quite a few places online about it. I re- I I reckon there must be maybe a YouTube. Someone's done a YouTube of them all, possibly. Maybe so. Maybe yeah, so. I'll yeah. have a look at that. Look, I, it's also probably safe to say that we may not have Quentin Tarantino if it wasn't for Sergio Leone. You know, there's there's a good mm-hmm. chance, or the good, bad, and ugly, shall I say, because. He was a huge. That, that's what what he did to become a director. You know, it was that one. You know, that, that set of films. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, that's quite. And I'm sure, you know, he's obviously he's not the only director to be influenced by these films. But I thought, for all of them, bar Jackie Brown, to have something related to the good, the bad, to one film, to it the begs, good, the bad, and the ugly. It begs the question: Why did he leave that one film now? I know. Yeah. I mean, if anybody knows any difference, and there is some sort of good, the bad, and the ugly reference in Jackie Brown, well, then please tell us, because I'd love to know. That'd be really yeah. good. But uh, yeah, that's maybe want to go through Quentin Tarantino's films now and, and yeah, look out for those. Not, I want to say there's not enough. There isn't enough time for everything we want to do, is there? There, there just isn't. isn't. No. no, there isn't. <laughs> that's another uh, another guy that I've not seen all his films for as well. I have to say, I have not mm. seen. I have not seen. Have you seen all of them? Tarantino? I've seen all of them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the cinema as well. See, again, look, if I was to look at this thing there, being a bit younger when stuff comes out, I, mm. there's little parts of me that, back, if you take, uh, what's the one with uh, Uma Thurman? The, the, the oh, Kill Bill. I've not seen any of those. Yeah. And do you know why? Because she dresses up in Bruce Lee's kit, <laughs> and that is sacrilege, okay? <laughs> Bruce Lee is my hero. He's up there with Clint Eastwood for me, and and it's little things like that. I won't watch it because of that. It's isn't it funny how, how the younger self does that, and I've just never gone back to them because I quite like Uma Thurman. I thought she was brilliant yeah. in um, you know, absolutely fantastic in. Uh, my brain's going, Dave. Help me. With the, uh, <laughs> come on, the film where she's dancing with John Travolta. What, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. That's it. See, yeah. there's the big clanger cock up. There's one. Can we can we edit that out? And I can no. I, can I resign? No. Maybe? You've got you've got me calling Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders <laughs> Italian. <laughs> In in your defence though, they even had terrible Australian accents as well. So yeah, so either way, they could have been from Bosnia for the. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I want to go back and watch his films as well. But for, for, the, for the moment, my my all my concentration is on all of Eastwood stuff. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And so you should, mate. It's yeah. where your where your concentration should be. I'm not going to lie. I did watch a, Disney, a film on Disney Plus today, which was one of the ones I watched so much as a kid growing up. And I don't know whether you did, but it was Blackbeard's Ghost. You know what, mate? You've said the title. I don't think I've ever seen it. It doesn't I, sound familiar. I have seen it must be 20 times as a kid. One of those ones just seemed to always be on. And it was uh, the wonderful Peter Usenoff who played Blackbeard's Ghost. Oh, well, yeah. He is amazing. Brilliant. I, lo- I, brilliant. I actually loved him as uh, Poirot as well. Yeah, I it was me fantastic too. In that. Yeah. I, mean, I love David Suchet, obviously, but I loved there was a bit more of a comical aspect to Yeah, Ustinoff. I always think when people say Poirot, I always yeah. think of Peter Ustinoff because that's. Well, I remember when Poirot. they bought, because I mean, the most successful one is definitely Suchet with the whole series. It lasted, mm. what, nearly 20 years? I mean, I, I, lo- I love that. Maybe longer than that, actually. Jesus, it could be. But, but I remember when he came on the scene, I was like, nope. No one else can be Hercule Poirot. I mean, I actually no. really like Albert Finney as Poirot as well in um, the original um, Murder on the Orient Express. That was that was I liked him as well. See, they should have had Hercule Poirot teaming up with Harry Callahan. Yeah, <laughs> that. two different styles of police work there for investigation. 
Well, that's the kind of thing that Eastwood may well have done in the 80s at some mm. point. Because he, he went on a bit of a... Even his, my dad said to me today, actually, and said that he's never really had what you would say a bad film, Eastwood. Not really, as in... Mm. I, know, I know you disagree, <laughs> and I'm wondering whether maybe my dad hasn't seen some of those baddies. But I said, do you know what? Some of people might even turn their nose up at things like Bronco Billy, but I like that. Yeah, know, I like... I, there is Hand on Heart, there is no Clint Eastwood film yeah. that I dislike. I I enjoy every one of his. I do remember, though, there's a time during the 80s and they didn't get good reviews. I mean, Pink Cadillac was slated. But again, I went to the cinema and watched it. And, and it's funny because I can watch fun. that and, I, and, it's, and it's Clint Eastwood. It's yeah. still him. So we, I suppose he gets leeway, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he does. Clint. I remember me and my dad going to the cinema to watch The Rocky in oh, 1991, somewhere around there. And 1990. That's an, I love that film, Dave. Oh, me too. We both had a whale of a time watching it. We thought it was great. I mean, and it helped. I nearly said a spoiler there at the end, but I won't. We'll, we'll, <laughs> when we eventually get to the Rocky, we'll, yeah, talk, we'll, we'll get into that. But <laughs> just quickly, there's a favourite scene of mine. Do you know what? I've not seen that in years, but it's one of those ones that I. It, it's just instilled in my brain. I yeah. can sort of picture the whole film actually. Right now, I can just imagine oh. every scene. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen. Come but, on. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> This is pre nobed Charlie Sheen, by the way. Yeah, and <laughs> I, mean, I, I shouldn't say anyway. I love Charlie Sheen, but it's, it's private life is private life, isn't it? At the end of the day, but yeah. it's just you know, it, and there's it, it's the scene where Eastwood is uh, tied to the chair. Of course. <laughs> oh my god, mate! Imagine that part wore out on my VHS back in the day. Oh, I can't wait to get to that film. What a film that was! We've got a lot of good films to go through that we have. Yeah. We really yeah. have. Um, yeah, so so while we take a minute and think about that chair scene, <laughs> we'll, we'll let everybody listen to uh, just a quick clip of Stephen's death in Django Unchained. Ben, we just heard Stephen's last words in Django Unchained. And uh, you ever thought what your last words would like to be? You know, you're there on, say, on your deathbed. You know, you know, you can have a nice peaceful one. What's what's the last words that you'd like to say? To it's be horrible. remembered for. It is a horrible sad thought, isn't it? And I think, you know, you're never going to know when your last words are really going to be unless you are on a deathbed, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say something else, but we'll leave that. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, that's quite a morbid question there, Dave. I'm, <laughs> I, I, would, I would hope it would be something towards my children and my family. I'm, I'm going to say the right thing here. You'd want to sort of have a nice few words to say about them at the end, wouldn't you? You would, wouldn't you? You'd like them to be around you and you say something to them. That's the real thing I'd want to say. My humorous side would be, please suck it harder, my dearie. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great, wouldn't it? What a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That might be how Clint goes in the end. You never know. It might be. Hopefully not on his birthday, but... (laughs) Yeah. Happy birthday, Clint. (laughs) What about yourself? Uh, Yeah. I mean, the serious answer. Obviously, it's, you know family around you and you say something nice to them tell you you know you love them and and whatever 
Um, I don't know, I'd probably still be recording a final episode of 60 Minutes <laughs> with trying to get the... And don't forget to go to the website. And then that's it. I'll just... I also think as well, we could get the family members around that we don't like and really say what we want to say to them as well. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's another way. It's another thing to do. <laughs> uh, right, mate. Now, I want to talk to you about the Spaghetti Western Orchestra. Um, obviously, by the name, they're associated with the Dollars Trilogy. Uh, do you know anything about these at all before we go on? I know I've just sort of lumped this on you, haven't I? Yeah, I'm sorry. I really don't. I, I I hope to go and check it out after, which I will do. I check everything out. Yeah, yeah. That's why I mean. This is why I wanted to bring it up because I hope a lot of people do check them out. They I were. Think a... I can guess exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Originally known as the Neo Morricone Experience, and um, because they were playing, surprise, surprise, the music of Ennio Morricone. But then they sort of diversified a little bit, and were playing music from different spaghetti westerns, not just the ones where Morricone did the music for them. Right. Uh, so the Spaghetti Western Orchestra uh, were a quintet, that's five, that's a posh way of saying five, uh, of Aust Australian musicians, not Italian, I'm going to get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> and they, got, they performed music from, like I say, from a broad spectrum of Spaghetti Westerns, but especially the ones that Morricone did the music for. Now, they put lots of humour into the shows, really, really funny, very, very entertaining they were dressed as Western characters. They were like uh, a bank teller or uh, a bartender. You know, the classic characters from within uh, Spaghetti oh, Western movies. Yeah. There was only one who spoke during the performance, and he was the storyteller. And he sort of provided a running commentary throughout the show between the songs and during the songs as well. Uh, interacted with the audience. You know, it's really high audience participation as well you were part of the show really well choreographed it is this had... still going is it this is it well still... unfortunately not um no. I'll, well i'll tell you in a minute mate but yeah. when you went to a show me and tina went to see them it was in february 2012 we went to the lowry in salford and saw them okay. and um bought the cd uh, after the show uh, met them uh got four because what one of them, we were waiting to get the CD signed, and one of them had to run for some reason, for whatever. I'm not sure what it was. So we got four of them to autograph the CD as well. Right, okay. uh, amazing choreographed show. There was like barroom brawls going on. Oh, how um, not, okay, it's not just yeah. watching people oh, play. No it's, no, it's far from just watching, you know, five musicians yeah. play songs of, of spaghetti westerns. Uh, they used there was a great use of all like sound effects, um, you know, like foley effects in in movies. They do all of that. They used uh, cornflakes to create a gunfight scene, uh, and that was just one of the things they used was cornflakes, and and that's even one of the one of the tracks that's on the CD as well. It was it, oh, it was so entertaining. But did it ever come to DVD or anything like that? Or it... not that I know of. No, no. As, as far as I know, I mean, I. I haven't looked on YouTube, uh, but I'm sure it's on there. Yeah, um, but they're the them. sort of things you can't feel. No, it's it is it. Well, it was a real experience. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they they just pulled the plug on it all for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. I know some of it when we were talking to them. There was, of course, there was a lot of travelling going on. They'd all got their own. Um, different jobs and everything, their own lives, and it was difficult to keep it going. So they stopped oh. in 2014, 
which is a bit of a pain. But You'd hope they'd be making enough money, wouldn't you, to just solely like to do think that? So. Wouldn't you you yeah. would like to think so, but yeah. they did. But for for only five of them, and they would use as well. They would use like classic instruments. You know, you'd have you do Morricone, you'd have a trumpet, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was guitars and drums, all different types of drums. Yeah. But then they'd use like weird things. Like I said, you know, they'd use the cornflakes for this gunfight scene. But within the music, wow. they would use the most. Not just instruments, they would use things as part of the music. So the music isn't an exact replica of... You don't listen to it and go, oh, yeah, that's really good. That sounds just like the soundtrack. That's what wasn't what they were going for. Yeah, They wanted to put their spin on it using different, like I say, different instruments well, and, and things. Even the bodies they were using and all of this and making yeah. it a show, a visual spectacular. Well, that would be more interesting to me. I wouldn't want Mm. someone tributing Ennio Morricone. That's not my kind of thing. I'd rather see the real deal. Yeah. 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 And and they did. And their enthusiasm, mate, just flowed off the stage. It was incredible. You couldn't help but get swept into the performance and be a part of it. Did they they have any of the the vocal choir or anything like that? Did they have any of that? Yeah, they do. I mean, again, because there's only five of them, they do vocal stuff. No, as in, you know, the choir piece that you get in the the, the whole. Oh, yeah. They replicate it. Yeah, Yeah. they replicate it as as best they can in their own way. um, (laughs) But the, the stuff that's going on. Uh, I mean, listening to the music is only a part of it, and listening to the CD is really nice. Uh, you know, a lot of it is to do with the fact that we can listen to it and think back and visualise what we were looking at as we were listening to it. But it's still good, even if you've never seen the show. If you're a fan of Morricone, it's just nice to hear a different spin on it. Yeah. You know, it, it's something a little bit different. And, um, yeah, I think... I it, I wonder if it's on um, Spotify, possibly. It might be. It might be, yeah. Because uh, we bought the CD, like I say, at the show. So I can say there's a reason how they don't make any money. It's on Spotify. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm one of those bad people. But you know. yeah, it might be. It might be on Amazon, so people can people can buy it through the Amazon yeah. links on our website. Maybe. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's all right. And uh, I'll say it again at the end of the show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so as no, as a little example for everybody to listen to, you could uh, say for a few less dollars, you could go. Oh. Nice. Oh. Nice one. I've just patted myself on the back for that one. So you should again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to take a little break uh, again. God, we're having quite a few breaks in this episode, mate. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. We're taking a break. You bastards. <laughs> and you can, you can all listen to uh, the Spaghetti Western Orchestra. And, and I've got, there's only one tune I can play in this show, isn't there? It's them doing the theme from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah. 
So, there we go. That was uh, Spaghetti Western Orchestra. Sadly, no longer touring, but fingers crossed. You never know. You just never know. Hopefully, they will be back. And, um, yeah, hopefully, again, everybody enjoyed it. And that was... We talked earlier, mate, about Clint Eastwood and specifically, you know, the Dollars Trilogy, how they've sort of ingrained themselves in into popular culture. We talked about Back to the Future 3. But there's been there's been so much more, oh, hasn't there? There's just there, been so much more. There really has. I mean, there's there's ones that I remember myself that, 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 off the top of my head, but I also looked into some other ones as well just to see what I've missed. And there's just so much. It's crazy. Do you remember the Crocodile Dundee two, where you've got the two Japanese guys who mistake Mick Dundee for Clint Eastwood? Oh there's, my god! Yes. You know, it's just little ones like that. And I thought, yeah. I was like, God, yeah, I remember that. And another one that instantly came to my mind is when Ricky Gervais's character David Brent in The Office is playing with the mobile phone, Gareth's mobile phone, mm-hmm. and doing the whole You Feel Lucky Punk speech. Oh, yeah. Little things like that are just great. I mean, there's there's, there's really quite a few um, in video games and things. I mean, obviously, we've got things like Red Dead Redemption, you know, yeah. and th- it, again, I can't think of the word I want to say, but it's very much based upon, even if you look at the front cover, I've got the front cover right now of Red Dead Redemption 2, which is not John Marston. He's from Red Dead Redemption 1, yeah? yeah. This guy is Arthur... Arthur. Arthur, yeah. what's his second name? Arthur Morgan, okay, mm. yeah. And even just if you if you were just to look at this, it looks like the silhouette of um, Clint Eastwood, you know. Yeah. It, it, and there's obviously loads in those games that would be pulled from that sort of stuff. Have you got any? Do you want me to go through a few more that I've got, Dave, and stuff? I know there's some um, Eastwood, not specifically Dollars Trilogy, but Eastwood references in The Simpsons. They do. Yeah. There's uh, a Paint Your Wagon one I know yeah. of, that, but I know there's quite a few others that they, they reference them in. In um, the new TV series Westworld, 
there's quite a few references um, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to the Dollars Trilogy in that as well. I must admit, I was talking more lines just generally about Eastwood. I, I haven't just, I've, I've looked at all of his, so it could be Dirty Harry, mm. you know, anything. Really, oh, yeah, yeah, plenty of Dirty Harry. I mean, there's loads. Sure. I mean, Jim Carrey was a huge one. I mean, I think I said before, Clint Eastwood launched Jim Carrey's career pretty much. He was in the, was it, which one was it? The Deadpool. 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 Yeah. Um, but but he's also done that. I mean, I, on YouTube, there's a great, um, when was it Eastwood got, no, but that's it. He's never had an Oscar, has he, Eastwood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to wait until uh, Unforgiven. Unforg- yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought he had. And I, couldn't, I couldn't at the time guarantee. There, I did listen to this. He did. He got that. But at the same time, <laughs> didn't he get a life? Was it an AFI life achievement? Yeah, he's had a few lifetime achievements. Yeah, awards, which yeah. I think Jim Carrey presented. And I, I remember, I'm pretty sure it's him. And um, he, he does his, an incredible impression of <laughs> Eastwood. He's absolutely brilliant. And in The Mask as well, there's a scene in The Mask and Bruce Almighty. There's a, he almost looks like Eastwood in Bruce Almighty at some point and um, mm. says, careful, what you wish for, punk and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there's just so much in music. Obviously, you've got gorillas and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. And also, uh, he's, uh, I used to love watching The Fall Guy. I mean, I think Clint Eastwood made cigars popular. You know, I think he really did as well. I think he was the one of the first to make them look cool. Right? Yeah. And you had and that the, whole the sort of yeah. designer stubble that was popular designer in the 80s. Stubble. That yeah. was yeah, 20 years previous to that, yeah. But obviously he's he's in, in the song, the Full Guys theme tune, The Unknown Stuntman. He's referenced. Of course he is, with. yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about I that. always remember that as a kid. Um, how about Adam and the Ants, Prince Charming? He's totally dressed up as um, Blondie from The Good, Bad and the Ugly. Wow. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I remember That's one the, of the song. Albums. We had the Kings of the World Frontier album you know, when we were kids. And they had like Prince Charming on it and um, Don't You Want Me. Is, no, was it? No, Prince Charming. What's the other big hit? Huge hit they had on that. Um, oh, I just love Adam Nancy. This is terrible. I can't even. <laughs> anyway, check out the, the music video. Yeah. Prince Charming. Because um, he's right on the end of that. He's dressed up exactly. Stubble. Cigar, poncho, everything in that. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, just There's so much, you know, within games as well. It's all been referenced. And, yeah, it's, uh, there's too much to go into. You've got Serious Sam and stuff. And Fallout 2 is, there's like Frank Horrigan, which is a reference to sort of his character in the, in the Line of Fire and stuff like that. What a film that is as well. Can't wait yeah. to get to that one. Yeah. Um, never a fan of her, though, in that. Can't remember what's name. Is it, um, Gina, is it Gina Davis? I want to say Gina Davis. In the Line of, oh, my God, In the Line of Fire. Gina Davis? Because it's Frank Horrigan. We watched this not too... Oh, I say not too I long. I watched it not very long ago. I'm sure it's Gina Davis in that. No, it's... Oh, what's her favourite? Um, Russ... Russ... Reen, oh, Renee Russo. Oh, no, she's great. Yeah, Gina Davis in it. Yeah, no, she's great in that. Yeah. Although Gina Davis was great in Beetlejuice, so let's be fair. So, yeah, no, no. And also, let's play a game on the Amiga. Here, let's put it round to the ABCs of uh, <laughs> gaming for a second. There's a game I used to play called Nitro, which was made by Psygnosis, which were a huge development company in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And yeah, they, there was a game called Nitro, which was a top-down racing game. And there was a an absolute spitting image of Eastwood as one of the main characters, the main driver, which was a bit more cyber. Ah. cyber cybernetic form yeah there's yeah. just so much there's so there much a dirty stuff. harry game that would, went into production wasn't there and clint was going to voice it as well and i then, and that the, got canned it is anything like the the rambo game day oh, i think we're safe. started on those no honestly <laughs> they're just awful there is a dirty larry game which i mentioned before which is on the atari Lynx handheld mm-hmm. machine um and there is a um they find is it in um what game there's another one um you've got fallout 3 
in, in some of the uh, DLC, there's a Callahan's Magnum, which is ah uh, okay, yeah. But there's too much. There's too much. Really, there is going too much. To, I think I what want... you've said though, mate, yeah. the, the closest you're going to get to like homage to the Dollars trilogy are the two Red Dead Redemption games. Yeah. There's, you know, there's moments in that. You can play it and you can just, you can forget that you're those characters and you can just pretend that you are Clint Eastwood. I am always Clint Eastwood anyway. Even mm. though you know you're not, I am mm. in every, every, whenever I play those games, I am Clint Eastwood. I am yeah. the, man, the man with no name. Yeah. Blondie's my new one. I like that. I like the name of Blondie. That's a, that's a well, cool one. You're Benton. That's what we've established <laughs> What a name. Yeah. <laughs> Benton Ford. Yes. Benson Reginald Ford. Oh, that sounds that. like that does sound like an old Western name, doesn't it? It does. I can see it on a wanted poster right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what for. I don't know what crime you would have you committed. But you don't want to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have saved the best till last on this show, mate. Uh, most definitely, because I do now want to chat with you. Uh, about the 2017 documentary Sad Hill Unearthed, which, oh my... Uh, you know, and again, complete seriousness, all I've said is the title, Sad Hill Unearthed, and I have got goosebumps. Yeah. What what did I say? I left you a WhatsApp message this yeah. afternoon we were talking about it. What happened then when I was just leaving you the message? Same uh, thing, wasn't it? I got goosebumps. I cannot believe what a wreck I turned into watching it. I cannot mm. believe it. I mean, I can believe it because yeah, of what it's but, all based on. Yeah. But you'd already set me up, hadn't you, on WhatsApp going, there, there's a bit about you, there's a guy's dad in there. and We're going to go into it, obviously. We'll detail. get into it. We'll, we'll, yeah, for anybody that's not yeah. watched it, first of all, go and watch it now is the first thing. You, yeah. you don't need to hear us talk about it. Just go and watch Sad Hill Unearthed now. Luckily, it's on Netflix at the moment. It is on Netflix. It's yeah. easy to see. Uh, I know me and Tina first watched it a couple of years ago via means where you can watch something. Um we downloaded it, obviously, we downloaded it. But I and, um, thought, right, we need a physical copy of this. We need to support the people that made yeah. it. What can we do? Uh, and then I saw they did a Indiegogo fundraising, and it was different tiers that if there's so much was raised, and then um, it was greenlit for the Blu-ray, and then if there were stretch goals, that there'd be, you know, this was for a version with English subtitles, then there were stretch goals for, you know, like, say, Italian subtitles or German subtitles or whatever. Um, and, there, and there was different things, again, like happens on all these fundraising sites. There was different amounts that you could pledge. The more you pledged, the, you know, the more that you got. Uh, and you could do the three levels were you could pay £27, which I did, and you got the Blu-ray, you got a full colour buckler and you got the soundtrack CD and um, the Blu-ray has got some fantastic extras on it. I'll go into that in a minute. I've got the Blu-ray next to me now. Or you could pay £40 and you got all of that, but you also got a Good, the Bad and the Ugly postcard and a Sad Hill Unearthed t-shirt. And then the top tier was £116. And I so wish I'd got this, mate. I really do. If I'd got the money at the time, I would have yeah. got this because you got all of that. And a real biggie for me was you You also got a cross at the cemetery of Sad Hill Cemetery. And again, if people are thinking what you're talking about, that all's oh. going to be explained. Yeah. Uh, and you could have your name on it. And I, yeah. I honestly would have, may I'd have had my dad's name on it. And, yeah. and for that to be there would, oh, just. Can I just say, I'm gutted. <laughs> Absolutely gutted. I never, if I had known about all this, I would have gone in for that without a shadow of a doubt. Got, try to get my name on one of those crosses. 
it, yeah it, definitely yeah. definitely so the documentary uh it's about these a group of guys in spain big clint eastwood fans and they live near I forget the name of the place. Um, oh, it begins with B, doesn't it? Oh, no, forgive me. I forgot the name of the yeah. place. I should know. I'm awful at pronouncing names anywhere else. You know, people's names or place names, I'm awful at it. So it's probably best that I don't say the name. Uh, but it's where the, the climax of The Good, The Bad, Nearly was filmed, you know, where they, they go to Sad Hill Cemetery. And it's there, and of course, you know, it's like, oh, God, what, 40, 40 50 years later, it's all overgrown. Oh, I can not believe that, seeing all that. Yeah, when you first see it, it's these two... Um, two tourist movie fans find it first and they film it and they see it and it's like, oh, it's there. And and their excitement comes through straight away. But when these guys in Spain, um, they find out about it and it becomes their passion project. And at first they think, right, we need to clear, we just need to clear it up a bit. And once they start, they can't stop. You've got, they uncover the stone circles, they uncover everything, they put the wooden... Um, crosses back into it all not enough can go in to say how much effort and work this takes oh you i tried tidying up my bedroom just recently okay (laughs) and i'm going around my video games collection and i'm just uh, and within within a couple of hours i've done nothing and that's just lifting up light stuff nothing this if you haven't seen the film yet and by the time you watch the film and even the documentary it is backbreaking yeah. It's literally backbreaking work, and uh, yeah, just yeah, blew my mind. If I could have done, I would have been over there helping out. Oh, I would have loved to have been over yeah. there and helped yeah. them. I really would. I'd have gone over there and I'd have taken the tent and just pitched my tent yeah. wherever I could, and just gone right. I'm here every day for you. Just let's let's get. It I going. have to visit there. That's that's in my. Oh yeah, we've said. Now. Me and Tina have yeah. said we are definitely, hundred yeah. percent going to go across there. Yeah. Now I'm we a big really tough, are. strong guy here, Dave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we all have an emotional side. We do. And I, going into this, you know, I, you you set me up and said, you know, you're going to be doing this, doing that. But I, I, I was a wreck, mm-hmm. an absolute wreck, which which will become more clear by the time you get to the end of this documentary. It's just, well, <laughs> blew my mind how that something can affect me that much. And, you know, and you've got to consider that I've really only watched this very recently, this film. And for it to affect me like that, watching this documentary, it just, it, for me, it was it was more about, the fact that East was 90. I don't want to yeah. ruin it, what's coming up, because I'll let you carry on with this, Dave, yeah? Mm. But there's a certain thing that happens in this documentary that it made me realise for myself, this is the reason why this guy is so important to me. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah it, crazy, 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 crazy. And yeah. uh, I was crying my eyes out watching this. Oh, yeah. me too. Every time I watch it, I've watched it yeah. a few times, and every time it's just... I'm a crier in films. If a film is that sentimental, I cry all the time. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. It's great. It makes you feel brilliant, you know? And this, just like you say, it's like almost like goosebumps. And, uh, oh, Because completely. you can see in their, the eyes of these people what it meant to them as well. Oh, it meant so much. It meant so much to them. And I, I would I would say to anybody listening to this, uh, if you don't want anything spoilt about it, yeah, just stop now, watch it. You know the podcast is going to be here for forever. You know, just yeah. pause it on your play and come back and listen to us the rest of this after you've watched it, um, because we're going to talk about some stuff that will spoil it for you. And again, trust us when we say the emotional impact will will really hit you, and it'll hit you more. If you, if you come into it fresh I think and, so. and you don't know, you really do. And you so, said to me you don't need to have seen the film either, but I think it's better. Oh, it is. Oh, it's a lot better if you. Yeah, it is better if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but also setting me up to say get the tissues ready. I thought, well, what's going on here? <laughs> but I also, well, I, there's always a worry, isn't there? You think to yourself, oh, I'm setting myself up here for this. But 
No. Nothing could have stopped me bawling my eyes out on this. Nothing no. could have stopped it. No. Yeah. So like I say, if, you, if you, you're going to watch it, um, pause here, come back to us when you've watched it. And they've gone now. They've, they've paused. We've, people, they've come back now, mate. They've watched it. Right. I'm sure they've enjoyed it now. Yes. So they're listening to us again. Okay. Uh, yeah. A, a one. If I had to write a one-word review of Sad Hill and Earth, it would it would be passion, because that that comes through in the bucket loads. Um, or determination, love. Uh, th there's so many just one-word reviews you could make. This this group of guys. I mean, you touched on it already, mate. The work that they put into it, the hours that they put into it. Um, it's the sheer fact of the iconicness of that set. Not set. Yeah. It's not a set, it's real. Well, it's not a set. No, no it's a real place. Uh, again, we're going to talk way more about it when we go into our next part two of this, you know, the podcast. But it, that whole film is full of real life. The whole thing, that's, that, isn't it? And, uh, and it is, I think yeah. it's sad. I would be, you know, we watch films, don't we? And a lot of the time it's done on, on set and they're all made up and you, you don't think anything of it. But it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like Dave, like when you went and ran up the steps at Philadelphia. Yeah. Where, where, yeah that is so important to so many people. Oh, God, and that's, yeah. that's never going to go, is it? Because it's, it's in, you know, it, it, it's in an area where they're going it's, to, it's there, it's going to be there forever. This, mm. is, this here is so important to the whole genre of spaghetti westerns, right? And just anything Eastwood related, um, Sergio Leone, to, when you first see it all overgrown, in fact, it's almost unrecognisable, isn't it? They had it to is find at first. it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I thought, you, you, the point I'm trying to make is you forget that these places disappear if yeah. they're not looked after. They yeah. do disappear. And that's sad. You, you, you think they're there forever, don't you? You actually think they're still there, yeah. you know? I didn't. I never it would have been. I would have. I would have already. Okay. I would have already presumed it would already be some sort of um, traveller attraction that people go and visit every year. Mm. I would already assume that. Yeah, but no, it all it had all gone. It all disappeared. Yeah, it all just overgrown. Oh, yeah, and I think there was, what they, was it? Seven inches of dirt, I think, over the stone circle that they had to dig up. Yeah, and and the, the goalposts kept moving, didn't they? I think initially they, they weren't even going to do the the graves because we're talking thousands of. Oh yeah, thousands. Yeah, thousands of graves, right? With with you know with the. Um, oh, the wooden crosses, wooden cross, everything, right? And names on each cross. Names on each cross. We, that 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 whole touch, anyway, isn't it? Is the fact that they, on the, you know, the documentary, they had all these people with their names on them as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still like how they've got the the names. You know, they've got Arch Stanton and Unknown next to it. Is and that, a really if you've nice seen touch. the film, obviously, that means a lot. That, yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, and and the tree with the noose hanging down. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Just... But there's bits, and there was one bit, you know, we've already, both of us have talked about dads, and you know, people know, yeah. you know, my dad, is, you know, it's 25 years this year since he died. And one of the guys talks about the, of when he goes off to work on on this and, and, and sort of reclaiming this land and making it back to what it was, and then he, his, he loses his father. And, oh, that that's bit. Well, that's just... it. That was the start of it. Yeah. That was the start of the thing for me. It's like, oh, my God. You know, I can only imagine what you were feeling at that point, Dave. Oh, just, like, yeah, the first time we watched it, it was yeah. like, oh, God, that killed me, yeah. Yeah. He almost, mm. he, almost, he almost was coming across as he felt guilty for being there doing this. Mm. But in reality, you know, for, to then put his dad's name on this. Yeah, on this... oh, when he did that, yeah. And, he knew, you know, he, he his dad knew of his love for Clint Eastwood and this project that he was undertaking as well. And, um, 
yeah that that was like a real emotional bit but it's it's full of them all the way all the way yeah. through i mean this inter this interviews in i mean let's get into the interviews yeah um massive spoilers clint eastwood's one of them uh ennio morricone um joe dante director a weird one and we both thought that's a bit weird I remember I, I, the first time coming, i watched it i'm still coming to terms with this actually yeah james hetfield who's yeah. the you know it's from metallica now uh, on, on, from the off that's really funny, we, you know, with, with, with us coming up on the, under the banner of 60 Minutes with and the sort of chats we have with Chris and Alan about Metallica, right? <laughs> it, it, it's quite funny. I'm not going to slag them off because it's just, it's just not my sort of music. It just really isn't for me, okay? But I, for, this, this was for, to see James Hetfield talking away with no, with no context involved, because they left the context really till right at the end of this documentary. If mm. I was to have one complaint, it would be that. If it was sort of Unless I've missed something, Dave. I don't know. No, I think it's more... I think if you're more familiar with Metallica, and the reason right. that James Hetfield's in it, he's a, he's a huge, yeah, yeah. you know, good, the bad, and the ugly fan, and they use the you know, theme um, from the end of the movie uh, as, their, as the opening music to their gigs, and they have done but since, you don't really know since that the 80s. The end. No, that's not revealed until the end. So if you're a Metallica yeah. fan, yeah. that's a given. You already know that. But if you're coming into it and you don't know that... The initial you think was pissing me off. Yeah, well, you think James yeah. Hetfield's just there just as a fan of the film, don't you? And the funny thing is, by the end of the documentary, though, I had an absolute much bigger respect for James Hetfield. He seemed like such a lovely guy. Oh, yeah, me too. And, you know, any listeners that listen to yeah. the, any of the soundcheck shows know that I can't stand Metallica whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. But, again, I'll hold my hand up. He come, You know, he comes across as a really nice guy. Just because I don't like a band's music doesn't mean to say I hate the exactly members of the right. band. But well, he comes across as a nice guy and uh, passionate about, you know, the films just as much as we are. But again, just for pacing, it, it, there was just moments and it made no sense to have and all of a sudden a tiny little live cut for Metallica in this sentimental, amazing documentary about Sad Hill. Does that make sense? It didn't. It, it, it seemed out of place to me. Just slightly. yeah, I know. I know what you mean. For me personally as well, that that was the only part of it that just was a little bit jarring for me, and it yeah. was like, oh, because I loved all the other interviews. Yeah, you know. But there was another jarring bit by the end of it. It should be, if anything. We'll have to wait till we get to talking about the end of this documentary in a minute. But there's a bit at the end that it doesn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. Just the order of appearance, let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, you know, the, it, so it's interspersed with with all of these interviews, and then you see the guys working, and uh, they get volunteers coming and helping them, and you know, it's so much work, and you and you yeah. see the work that's that's put into it all, and then they screen. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There, it's the um, it's the fiftieth anniversary, isn't it? Let well, they actually it. did a reenactment first of that final. Oh, wasn't fight. that brilliant? That was amazing. Oh, that was yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh, they, they I, I could feel the their excitement. Sorry, sorry, say again, mate. I could feel their excitement when they were doing it to to replay the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, those three just, parts. And I've now just remembered what I was going to say. They had, the, the, the goalposts had to keep getting move, moving because initially they weren't going to recreate the actual wall. They were just going to make sure that the circle was there. Yeah. And then they realised things they like, no, it's got, to be, it's got to be how it was. And they yeah. built this wall. And we're talking, was it something like... Um, oh, it's a ridiculous amount of Ridiculous stone. amount of trips with a massive, yeah. great big um, digger. And and then, and then manpower to physically manoeuvre these blocks to to make the circle. We mm. and they were saying where there were days where only maybe eight initially about eight people turned up yeah. to do this, and then by the end of it, obviously it was a huge amount of people. Yeah, there was but, a lot more. Yeah. But then this this reenactment that they do before oh, the screening of the incredible. film, 
Absolutely brilliant. That was so, emotional as well for him, but one yeah. of the main guys, because he's like, he never intended on doing that. It's just something that came about whilst they were doing it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it grew, didn't it? The, the project grew and grew. Oh, constantly, grew. constantly yeah. grew. And yeah. then you got the screening of the film, and they, they knew that, uh, because the documentary filmmakers had been there, and they knew that these filmmakers had got uh, just some sound bites. Well, not sound bites, on-screen interviews, you know, and they got a piece, a spoken piece to camera to play before the screening of the film. Yeah. And they got a crowd of people from all around the surrounding area. And people that travelled from, well, from different countries even to come and watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher, so Fra- Christopher Fraley makes a really good point of saying this is, because when you see everyone sitting around watching all of this, yeah, I'm not a religious man. I'm an atheist. Okay, right. But these sort of things are people's religions. Like mine is oh, a yeah. musical hero. You know that, that that's my religion. And things like this, I totally understand. While you're, why some people might look at it and go, why are these people sitting here watching a film? You know, people are quite offish. Oh. This is like a, a a religion. You get so much out of films and music. You get so much out of it yeah. to make your life improve your life. You know? To sit there and watch oh, it on the big screen. You know what, mate? When when I visit there, yeah, I'd I'd even take I'd take like you know a little iPad or something and just hey, and just sit and watch the film sat in that circle. Well, they those two guys at the start were doing little reenactments, tiny little reenactments and filming yeah. themselves. I'll be doing that. I'll be doing oh, yeah. that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before the film started, they have these spoken pieces to camera, and it comes up on screen. And one of them's like James Hetfield comes up, and so on. And and the you know the guys there, the main guys, they you know they knew that these pieces were coming on, and they're sat there and they're all happy, and the crowd's cheering. What they didn't yeah. know, and and this every time I watch it, it gets me every time, is when boom, Clint Eastwood appears on screen and talks to them. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, and the camera is on is on the faces of the guys that, that you know that have organised it all, and the look on their faces. I mean, we've you know we've all heard the term you know the look or whatever. It's priceless. Yeah, Th- their look really was priceless. And let's give an example because let's be honest, most of those people didn't have a, a Scooby Doo what Eastwood was saying. No, no, like, that was no. after the fact. They would have had to have found out because yeah. there was no subtitles or anything. He no. just appeared. Said his they knew when he said the name of uh, where they lived, the place, yeah. didn't they? But also, you just their eyes, mate. It, it was their hero, their god. It was their man. Yeah. Now, when you first start, this is my point, when you first start the DVD up, you know East was going to be on there, and he turns up very early on in this documentary, a tiny snippet, maybe one or two, I can't remember, I think it's just one snippet of him talking. So, to a lot of people, you may sit there and think, oh, well, that's it, that's all you're going to see of Clint Eastwood. Mm. So they even get the viewer here, not realising that he's going to be there. I kind of thought he might. My, my unreasonable self, okay, was thinking he's actually going to go there. <laughs> but, of course, he would have been, what, 86 by this point? Oh, yeah. It'd yeah, been, yeah it'd he wouldn't old. be going to right? no. And um, I, I, I started crying ridiculously at this point, seeing him come up on screen. Yeah. It just, my, my every, oh, I, I can't express how much it hit me. It was just incredible, yeah. incredible. Because it's, it's what it meant to yep. those guys there yep. that have put all of this time, all of this effort and work into it and it, it it just expanded so much more from what they originally thought it was going to be and so many more people got involved with it yeah. and then to just to culminate in this and then Clint Eastwood appear on screen just again their faces is you know I could watch that every if you want if you want something you know this time oh, I could do a cheering up something like that 
just watch that scene. Just watch that scene, and I guarantee it'll cheer you up every time. He looks amazing. Clint Eastwood looked amazing as well. He looked he really, did, didn't he? He did yeah. look really good. I mean, he does look great. He's ninety for Christ's sake. He looks oh, great yeah. for that. And it's just, um, yeah. my only gripe was the fact that it should have been possibly not having James Hetfield. But then I kind of understood it by that point. But he should have been before Ennio Morricone. Ennio Morricone is the the guy who did the music for these films. Mm-hmm. You know, it made no sense why he went after and then before Clint Eastwood. It made that made no sense to me. Did, 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 am, yeah. I just, am I being too picky? I probably am. You know, if I was a massive Metallica fan, I'd probably be loving it right now, okay? Because my hero would be up there doing that. But as an outsider, I would I would have thought that surely it would have been the order would have been, because obviously yeah. Sergio Leone's not around, surely it would have been Hetfield, then Morricone, then Eastwood. That's just yeah. the way I see it. That yeah. Person. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed odd. It was an odd setting, but I'll let that I'll let that slide because the, he was so passionate, James Hetfield. Well, that's the thing. You know, yeah. I was I thought the same as you, mate. And yeah. but it does. It that's the thing. He does win you over in the end when he you're does. watching it. Yeah, yeah, he does. And you know, yeah. okay, yeah, you're you're a big fan too. You're the same as us. You know, you're in a big band, yeah. obviously, but you're the same as us. You're a big fan of the movies and everything, and they mean yeah. just as much to you as they do to us. And because I've never seen them live, never watched them live, mm-hmm. um, I won't ever see them live or watch them live. <laughs> Sorry, that's my little fun joke. Right? But, but just seeing all those fans with their arms raised up in the air at this Metallica oh, gig, yeah, yeah. and that, the fact they go on to um, that music, which is which is the um, ecstasy of gold, isn't it? Yeah, right? and yeah, it, great, and, great piece of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I understand. I totally get it. Oh, yeah, me too. And if there's anybody listening and going, oh, bloody hell, what's, what's with all the downer on, on Metallica and everything, yeah. Should, yeah. let you know that Chris and Alan are... They've already recorded the first episode of a new Metallica show, so. <laughs> and I'm going to go. I'll be listening to that just because it's them. You know, I'm going to listen to what they say. Because it's them, yeah. Because it's them, of course. Um, yeah, and I wish them all the luck with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, one of the, one of the extras that I got when I got the Blu-ray, I said, was the CD, um, and it is available to buy on Amazon. The CD is available to buy. Uh, and it's it's a woman called, and I am going to, sorry, I'm probably going to murder her name completely. A uh, woman called Zel, Zeltia Montez. Well, that's Possibly a- that's how you pronounce it. Um, but again, look for uh, Sad Hill and Earth um, soundtrack CD. It is on Amazon. And one of the special features on the Blu-ray is she talks about um, when she was approached for making an original soundtrack for the documentary, and how her initial thoughts were more or less holy shit you know you you want to create something with that morricone feel to it but you can't copy him but you want to live up to people's expectations of what they would want but without copying them and then you don't want to let them down and it'd be horrible yeah most people would say she was under oh yeah they would have done most people would have said no the pressure she was under was horrendous uh, but she did a great job. It's a really good. Yeah, it's it's really good. I am going to end the show once we finish everything off. Uh, I'll end the show with um, the opening credits track from the CD just to give people a flavour of, of what it is. But I would encourage people, you're, yeah. you're listening to this, I would encourage you to go and, and, what, go what, and buy it from Amazon. What I loved about all this as well is is the fact that you can see that they want to maintain this site. Yeah, yeah. And they also, they, yeah. they do stress as well, they don't want it to become... Yeah. Disneyland, you know what I mean, where it's a big theme park and and it's trampled by thousands of visitors every year and it just gets destroyed. It'll be trampled it's, by people who are just doing it just to do it. Yeah, not it's fa- finding not a happy fans. medium. Yeah, hmm. yeah. 
yeah, it's it's trying to find a happy medium. You don't want it deserted and it all to die off again. You know, you want people to go and visit and enjoy it, but you don't want it just swamped and and it to become what it isn't. You want to keep the natural beauty yeah. of it and, and to keep it what it is, which which is something absolutely incredible. Another of the special features on the Blu-ray is brilliant. It's only sixteen minutes, but a lot of a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays they have um, making of, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And on this one, this is one of the best ones that I've ever seen. 16 minutes, it's the director, and he explains, and he's he's aware that people will watch it and go, Oh, well, why why is it a different camera using that? Why does it why do the why does the interview with Clint Eastwood look so different to that? Why didn't you get these shots? Why is that filmed? Why was that missed? Yeah. He goes through everything, and it is wow. so interesting that if any questions you you were asking yourself as you were watching it. The answers are in this, and you go, ah, of course. So rather than some, because some of the making of so like proper fluff pieces, yeah, yeah. and you go, oh, okay, and it's you know talking heads to all of this, and it's the director talking to camera, and he goes through everything. Oh, this is amazing, Dave. This is this is a, a documentary oh, of an amazing film. Yeah, but, but in fact, it's got its own making of of a do- making of the of docu- docu- yes, yeah, that is, is actually yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. And, and he addresses everything on it and the, and the decisions for why they did this and why they did that. It is really, really good. Oh, and it's one it. of those. I thought, oh, I wish it was. I wish this feature was longer on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. I think we've seen it three times now. And every time it just, it, it, it's an emotional experience. You know, you said you're reaching for the tissues, you, you know, tears are shared. But it makes you feel so good. It makes you feel good, be- not only because you're a fan of the film and everything, it makes you feel good about humanity. Oh, you know, yeah, the, that, these the guys point. and what they do, it just makes you feel good about this good people out there. Absolutely. And also, think if you, off the top of my head, I can't think. There are, are there any other films that anyone's done this big a job for? Probably not. Not that I can think of. No, probably not. Away. And that no. just goes to show that, people the passion this has actually become almost like a a fourth film in the line of the movies to me almost yeah yeah. it's almost like a a thing that you can a thing in itself that is a definite piece that that sits firmly next to this happily you know it is i think it's a really good way that's a good way of putting it mate it's a good way you watch the dollars trilogy yeah and then you finish it off by watching sand hill and earth yeah and that just rounds everything off nicely doesn't it it does it's it's mind-blowingly good it is almost yeah. as good as the film for me, but you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, yeah, no, almost, no. As good, almost as good as the trilogy. Trilogy, it's, it's up there. It just goes to show that I mean, it, I've learned so much just from that one documentary, like you say about the humanity of people and yeah. the passions. You know, if I was there, if let me put it this way, if I I would be well involved in all that if I was living. It's just unfeasible. I could never have helped out. I live sunny South Coast in in England. Yeah, Are you with me? I could. Yeah. I would never be able to help with that. You know, but imagine living right near there and being able to be a part of that. That would have been a, a mind blowingly good. So yeah, yeah. Oh, it would have been absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think people get the gist that we recommend that you watch it <laughs> yeah i say it is on netflix you know you can you can watch it but uh if you can throw some money the guys ways you can get it on blu-ray yeah. and just and just follow them on on twitter as well the links to the twitter account will be in the podcast notes so give them a follow um you know say that we sent you their way support me in any way you can get the word out there yeah. about them and then once you've watched the documentary just promote it tell your friends to watch it too yeah uh, so good, mate. So yeah, good. I'm just, I'm there. I, I could constantly in that in that 
in there. Oh, but you know, it's not a one, one it's not a one on one direct set remake. And I keep saying set, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah. It can't be because you just you can't the things that would have been different would have certainly been the exact correct placement of um, the greys and things like that. You wouldn't be able to get it perfect. Of course you wouldn't be able to. Mm. But um, it, it's everything else. It's just obviously... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. You know just... You it's know, just near, looking it's at near dab it. Right. It is, near, yeah. yeah. You know looking on the screen, don't you? You know looking at it. Yeah. What it is. And, and, and more than anything, you know that when you do eventually step foot onto those stones... The, they are. That's oh, it. It'll be the biggest thrill. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and again, it's one of those round circular things, like the old battle royale. Like mm. so, they only loved all that. Having these battles end up in almost like a ball ring type yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. Yeah, oh. like we said, we saved the best for last in this episode. Oh, that's that was for sure. We really did. Uh, so yeah, part two. Of course, we're going to do our usual deep dive into the movie, take you all the way through it, um, bring up some facts stories hopefully some stuff you didn't know about before um so yeah if like i said by if by the middle of june you can get us your feedback clint eastwood yeah. 90th birthday stuff would be great uh feedback comments questions uh, about our previous shows starting from the uh yeah the very the very first one through to our fistful of dollars for a few dollars more uh, and then yes yeah, send us stuff about the good the bad and the ugly your thoughts on the film uh, comments questions anything like that and we'll address them all in the part two of this before then mate and then we come out we come out of the dollars trilogy out of the westerns and it seems sad good. to say goodbye it, it does doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah it does but we'll be moving on to coogan's bluff and like we said earlier so many great films to talk about so many to you know go through dig out some stuff every episode though we're digging out stuff that we didn't know before so yeah. it's it's you a know, mate, for us yeah. too isn't it amazing you get you get these actors who just are quite known for one part i mean you, back back at the, back back then you never would have known that oh my god he's going to create another iconic character you know it's just yeah it's yeah crazy. who'd have thought back then <laughs> yeah you yeah. would go on to make you know another series of films yeah yeah oh i can't wait to do, i can't oh, wait to do the the movie chat we have got so much to talk about yeah uh, yeah, and looking at the running time, it's it's a bloody good job we split this into two because it's about <laughs> two hours, I reckon, maybe, yeah, isn't it? Well, this I don't know. This what am I? I'm looking at the clock ticking. It's an it's an hour. Well, it's an hour forty two since I started recording. Yeah. And, you know, we've had some off air chat, and um, yeah, but yeah, it'll be it'll be not, not far, far short of that. Yeah, it'll be not yeah. far short of that, which is good. There you go. Uh, so to finish off, of course, uh, the website, 60minuteswith.co.uk. If you go there, there's news, reviews, there's links to all of our social media on there. Also on there, there's affiliate links for Amazon UK and for CD Keys. So if you use either of those two, if you wouldn't mind just going through those links, doesn't cost you a penny more. We don't know who you are. And uh, it just gives us a little kickback to keep the podcast and website going. Also on the website, there's links to Insert Coin Clothing. You'll save 20% if you use Ooh, the code yeah. 60MWIC. Uh, that code is good until the end of this year. So if you're thinking of buying stuff, get buying stuff now. There's, 20... there's a rather nice uh, picture floating around on Twitter with uh, Chris in one of these T-shirts. Yeah, he bought five shirts from there. As soon as we got the oh. 20% off, he jumped online and bought five T-shirts from them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because he, he buys stuff from them at EGX anyway. So yeah. we thought he'll take advantage of a good saving, and so should everybody else. Buy through, yeah, so if you buy stuff from Insert Coin Clothing, 20% off. Uh, there's also a link to Fusion Retro Books, retro video game books. You'll save oh, yeah. 15% if you go through the link on the website. Uh, again, we don't know who you are. It doesn't cost you any more. Um, you can buy safely through that. It just all helps us out. 
Or if you're missing going to Starbucks or Costa or whatever coffee shop you do and you just want to buy us a coffee, uh, you can just send us a few quid through the Kofi uh, link that's on the website there. And yeah, that's ways that you can help support us, keep us online and keep the website going. Yeah, Another tell, tell good your way. friends and family and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody, that, you know, you buy, a lot of people are buying online, especially now when you can't go to the bloody shops and so on. <laughs> Uh, do that and you're helping us out at the same time another really good way that you can help us out takes two minutes of your time and it doesn't cost you a penny you don't even need to buy anything if you're not thinking of buying anything at all at the time if you go to the website and you go to the reviews section there's a drop down box there and you'll see listener feedback there'll be a direct link to it in the podcast notes for this show take two minutes give us a podcast review give us one star two three four five we don't care give us a star rating give us a few words i'll put it up on that page and that, again, that really does help us. It helps us to get more interview guests. We send them that. This is what people think about. Helps us get more competition prizes. We give away loads, especially on Twitter. And it just helps us in a shitload of ways, in, in many different ways. So for two minutes of your time, sending us a, a review really does help us out. I most definitely need to back my ideas up when I uh, close off the show that I host, Dave. Under sixty minutes, period. I need to get my get my gear together. And, There's uh, get so much info my God. to get out. Luckily, I've always got Alan, Alan, and um, Chris with me, so they sort of kind of help out. There's an awful lot that I really should pimp out a bit more without shadow. Yeah, well, the them. thing is, the website's yeah. getting so busy. There's so much yeah. more on there. I mean, there's always news and reviews and all that kind of stuff. But we get, you know, we're making there's a partnerships page on the website. If people want to just take a quick look at that, that lists the people that we review for, the people whose products we help promote. And it's a huge, it's getting bigger all the time. This is how we've got, we can help people save, you know, 20% off at Insert Coin yeah. and 15% off at uh, Fusion Retro Bucks. And they've got not forgetting the show sponsors of Dean of the Dead and Below the Belt Grooming from Decade of Decadence shows and entertainment shows. Still waiting wait, wait for my ball cream. I haven't seen anything yet. Oh, no, I'll have to chase them up on the ball cream. It's getting hot weather as well, mate. I'm getting a bit sweaty down there. I don't I get do sweaty that. down there. I keep myself well shaven, but I'm still going to slap on some of that tickle to see if, you oh, know. I haven't shaved for ladies. a while. No, I've not shaved. I haven't. I've done some. <laughs> you've, done, <laughs> you've not shaved. I've well, I, sh- I sent a picture today on our WhatsApp yeah. group. Yeah, I've not had a haircut for months, and I've done some strategic facial hair shaving. I am trying to. I really am trying to look like a spaghetti western bad guy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to get that going. I haven't. I, the old cock and balls hasn't seen a razor for ages, mate. And oh no, I'm totally shaving. That really there. is like the wild west down there now. It's. I don't know who know. I'm shaving it for, but I'm shaving it. <laughs> I'm looking at myself in the mirror. That's what it is. Look at you, sexy man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, need, need some of that below-the-belt product yeah. just to keep it all, you know, nice and fresh down there. It'll yeah. be good. Uh, yeah, so there are all the ways that you can help us. So if you're going to buy stuff, buy stuff, send or just send us a review. Lots of different ways you can do that. Uh, so we'll be back, mate. We'll be back recording in just a few short weeks, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, and and it's it's... It's going to be a deep, deep dive. It's going to be a long show, I think. There's a lot to talk about. It's going to be the long one. You get your money's worth there, guys. So certainly do. And remember, people that complain, oh, I don't listen to podcasts over 30 minutes. There's a pause button. We're not time sensitive. This one one is to get out. We wanted it out on Clint's birthday, especially his 90th birthday. But all of our shows, you can listen to any time. Just press pause and come back to us when you've got a bit more time. like I've said before, podcast is the only thing that I've seen people complain about for getting too much for free. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I don't see so much moaning these days, do you? I don't think, I think, because podcasts, you think we've been around doing it for years when they sort of really were a newish thing, mm. which people used to moan about everything. I don't, I don't know whether you're getting that sort, but I don't, so for me, how I consume my podcasts 
at any type of entertainment. I can quite easily just watch 20 minutes here or listen to tw- half an yeah. hour there. Do you know what I mean? I can do it easily. So yeah. anyone can. If I can do it, anyone can. Yeah. Yeah. Right, shall we wrap this one up, Dave? I just want to uh, say happy birthday, Mr. Clint Eastwood. A big happy, happy 90th birthday, Clint. And like I said, you know, we're both there at the beginning of the show. Let's, fingers and toes and everything crossed that we can be saying in 10 years' time, happy 100th birthday to him as well. Yeah, and if he if he gets, I'm sure he'll be behind the camera directing constantly. Uh, But yeah, I'm still up for him in front of the camera too. Too right. If the part's there, the part's there. Just go for it. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Right, as always, mate, absolute pleasure chatting with you tonight. I always love recording these shows and having a bit of Eastwood chat with you. It just it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I'm telling you, it's crazy. And it just makes me want to go what it makes me want to get to the next podcast recording, you know, and just uh, I can't wait. I'm very excited for the next couple of weeks' time or whatever it's gonna be. Yeah, yes. yeah. So people haven't got long, get the feedback to us by the middle of June and we'll be back in your ears yeah. talking all about the good, the bad and the ugly. Probably oh. about the end of June we'll be back in your ears talking about that. So uh, prepare, watch the movie in advance and then listen along as we chat all about it. But until then, uh, yeah, let's bugger off and uh, Say goodbye. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me along again. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm, As always. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. So Stephen's last words, Ben, are you uppity son of a... And then it explodes. Uh, have, you, have you ever thought about what you'd like your last words to be? Um, apart, apart from I'm coming or something like that. 
<laughs> knowing you. The problem is, unless you're going to be a mass murderer and you get put on death row in some American country, sorry, American um, countries, oh, Jesus Christ, can we delete that date? <laughs> Should we start again? Let's start again. Let's start again. <laughs> that, that, that's in the outtakes, bud. <laughs> okay, then. Right, we'll start again. <laughs> it's rare that we do that. We usually leave all the fuck ups in, but yeah, yeah, but it's great. It's great. Let's, for once, let's start again. we're actually starting again. Yeah, we will do it again. <laughs> oh, if I can stop laughing, fuck. Okay, I know I'm going to talk and start laughing. <laughs> oh, you know what it's like. It's just there, bubbling underneath. Oh, come on. I have to make sure I don't say the same thing again as well. Don't say the same thing. <laughs> oh, going to be like Back to the Future again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Get a grip. Did I get to mention? There was something I mentioned earlier on before we started recording. Did I actually mention it on the show? I can't remember what it was. There was something uh, I said to you and you turned and said, I did not know that. I don't know. I'll have to listen in the edit. Yeah, if what it, was it? If it's not, I'll put it at the end. <laughs> well, pretend you came up with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, re- I'll re-edit it all that it's my idea. <laughs> I can't believe it. I've just remembered what it is. What is it? It's the director, 40 Towers, for the um, oh, for... Inspired. It's, um, what's his name? Bob Spears. Spires. Bob Spears, yeah. Yeah, because you told me oh, that he directed Fistful oh, of Travellers, like, Jack. You've got to put that in. You've got to say that or something, innit? Just, just back it <laughs> in there at some point. <laughs> yeah, directed Forty Towers. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, didn't know that when you told me, mate. Series, yeah. yeah. I think they had like a stock lot of um, directors, didn't they, back in, in the BBC? Sort yeah. of kind of for a lot of different, similar sh- different shows. The comedies particularly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'll edit it in. You'll hear a really jarring edit. Don't and then do you'll it. hear me, like, because I've recorded it different on a different microphone, going, oh, and Bob Spears directed it. And then I'll <laughs> I'll cut out I'll cut out a bit of audio from you saying, like, oh, yeah, or something. Or I never knew that. Now, did you know, Dave, that Bob Spears directed um, the... Um... I forgot what it was. <laughs> this is going horribly wrong. This out- outtake really is massive. Yeah, Dave, did you know that Bob Spears directed The Fistful of Travellers Checks? Did he really, Ben? Yeah. And who's and Bob course. Spears, though? What did he do? Well, he's one of my heroes. I, I love Forty Towers, my favourite comedy of all time. He directed the second series of Forty Towers. Nothing no. to do with Clint Eastwood, but I just thought I'd mention it. Well, I never knew that. That's great. There we are. We learn every day, don't we? We do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, buddy. Take it easy. You too, though, mate. Thanks, all right. Mate. Talk that. to you soon, mate. Good. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.